Morning, Westridge. It's good to be here with you today in person and online as we continue our series on unstoppable joy. Hey, Greg and Scott have done a great job already of painting a picture of how joy is different than happiness, where happiness depends on circumstances going on around us, and joy is a choice that we can make. It's an attitude choice we can choose in spite of circumstances we find ourselves in. So today, we're going to be looking at the third chapter of Philippians as we talk about moving forward with joy. So the Apostle Paul used these words to begin the chapter. Here's what he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble to write these things, these same things to you again, and it is a, it is a safeguard for you. So he begins with his, uh, to, with his readers to give them a reminder of what he's talked about a couple times already in the first two chapters of the book, practice joy. Now, have you ever found that repetition is something that's valuable? Okay, now here's what I do. When I am given an address or a phone number from someone, you know what I do? I repeat it over my head until I get it on my phone. I repeat it, or I repeat it, and then I ask the person again, can you give that to me again, Right? Because it's true, I forget things, all right? When, when I give my, when I'm there with my grandchildren, my older grandchildren, they take spelling tests at school. And so I'll say, hey, let's run your words. And so they go through the words that they have looked at. Repetition is valuable. I don't know what you do to remind yourselves of things you don't want to forget, but here's what some of the things I do. I, uh, put, I put alarms on my phone so that I don't work through meetings I'm supposed to be at. I use those things that you all received today. Okay, I put those on all the different places. Then usually I put something over the top of it so I forget it anyway, right? How about this one? When you go to the grocery store, I usually use a list. When I, go. I do most of the grocery shopping in our house. And uh, every now and then, though, I'll only have like five things to get. And so you know what I'll do? I'll think about those five things, and I'll repeat them over and over again. And I walk through the, go- the doors of the grocery store, and you know what happens? They disappear, <laughs> right? I don't know if you're anything like me. That's what happens. That's why it's important to be reminded of important things. Paul recognizes that as we journey through life as following Jesus, situations are going to come up, that if we allow them to do so, they will rob us of joy, And that's why at the beginning of this chapter, it's so important when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Those four words. This leads to the theme for today. I believe choosing joy will help us escape the stealers of joy. And we're all going to encounter stealers of joy at times. And when these traps are avoided, we're going to be freed up to move forward with joy. Hey, good to have have you here today. Hey, when we find ourselves on the ground, what do we do? We pick ourselves up off the ground, right? I love the words of that song. It's so true. Hey, joy stealers, they're always going to be around us. They really are. And we know this reality. So I I brought a trap with me today, okay? This is a little bigger than a mouse trap because it traps little things that are a little bigger than mice. This is a rat trap, okay? Now, here's the thing. When when a rat, I said it, but I almost caught myself, so I'm not going to do that again. So here's what we're going to do, okay? So when, when a rat sees something, here, smells it, comes up, and it approaches it. And what happens? Right? It's caught, and it's stuck. Well, and it's dead. It's dead, okay? Paul repeats himself here in this passage. Here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord. 
And, and then he gives us the, the reason why these words are a safeguard. Because he says, I see what could happen to you. You could have joy stealers come at you, and they're going to, so be ready. Here's the thing I recognize. We all have voices around us that we encounter that if we listen to, they do have the potential to trap us in one spot. Darla and I have been watching a show called Special Forces, the world's toughest test. It's kind of interesting. The show uh, features celebrity contestants who agree to go through special forces training. And it consists of a variety of physical and mental challenges for these contestants. The training is overseen by four former special forces officers. And it's brutal. Okay, that's all I can say. The season started with 14 contestants. By, by week three, they were down to eight. Okay, they had lost another one last week. Okay, so they're down to seven now. And watching it, I realized the power that voices have to influence our lives. Because first of all, you have the voices from the outside. You have the trainers who are working with these contestants. And, and they are just like drill sergeants you imagine them to be in the Army and, and so forth. If, if you had to go through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But they were not, they're not the most encouraging people in the world. Okay? They're yelling. They're screaming. They're saying, why did you choose to do that? They're yelling, go, go, come on. What are you, what's wrong with all kinds of things like that? And then on top of that, there's the voices from the inside of each of these con uh, contestants telling them it's either time to give up. I'm going home, which seven have done so far, or to say, stick to it, you can do this. Now, I realize we have that happen to us all the time as we walk, travel the journey of following Jesus. Paul details both of these verses in the first few verses of chapter 3. First of all, there were people who were telling the Christians there, and most of these people had come, from, had come to Christ out of being a Gentile. They were not Jewish in background. But they had Jewish influencers who were coming in and telling these Gentile Christians, hey, you have got to follow all the rules of Judaism if you really want to please God. Even to the point of having the male circumcised, which was a sign of being a follower of, of a God as a Jew. Here's the problem. Those voices from the outside were wrong. What they were trying to do is to get people to follow the law and follow every step of the law. And as you follow the steps of the law, if you chose to step outside what God had put in the Old Testament, you were a sinner and you were outside of the grace of God. And Paul was so frustrated at this because he recognizes why Jesus came. Jesus came to extend the grace of God because we couldn't keep the law. He extended the grace and love of God through Jesus so we could be saved. And Paul said, we got to make sure not to listen to those voices from the outside. Now, here's the problem. We all have them. We all have people who have opinions and ideas and so forth about how we should live and what we should do. Right? And if you have any question about that, post something on social media sometime. Right? You have all kinds of people who weigh in on this. Here's the problem when we're allowing the voices of others outside to influence how we go and where we, what we, where we go and what we do, it is a trap. A trap we can't get out of, and it will steal our joy. But maybe even more challenging is the voice from the inside. 
And this is where I see the contestants in the special forces training trapping themselves many times. Uh, I've seen in both, times of self, both types of self-talk. First of all, there's a person who's so arrogant. He says, hey, listen, I've gone through this type of training before I can do it again. And they find out how false that premise is. And they fail miserably. But then there's the other, the other part. And then here's the one I understand. It's a self-talk that says, man, I can't do this. Because I can't, I'm worthless. Or there you go again failing. This is the type of voice that will stop us dead in our tracks. You know who my worst enemy is? Me. I am my own worst enemy. Because I understand this type of talk. Because I've used it many times with myself. And here's the problem with my voice. Most of the time, it's wrong too. It's wrong too. So if, if you battle this at all, you understand what I'm talking about. The fact is we have voices weighing in on us outside and inside that can influence us. So here's what Paul does. He details his accomplishments. He details his pedigree. He says, listen, you want to see my resume? He talks to, he's talking to these Jewish leaders. You want to hear my resume? Let me tell you about it. I was born into this. I was raised as a Pharisee. I, I have received every bit of training and... <laughs> I have, I've done everything possible to be right with God, and I've done it. But here's what he says. There's a but here. He said, but what I recognize, those things don't matter at all. What those say from the outside, what I say from the inside, doesn't matter at all. What matters is what Jesus thinks about me. And when I found Jesus, Paul says, I found everything I ever needed. And I left everything else behind. Here's what I said. Everything I left behind, it's like garbage. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what Jesus says about me. See, Paul didn't allow the joy stealers to enter his life and steal. And that self-talk where he could have said, I am so important, I'm so valuable, I've done this all. He said, no, no, it doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus loves me and I'm his child. That's what counts. He says, I don't want anybody who's reading this letter to be trapped either. I want you to live the joy that you can live. And what he says is that basically everything I had before I found Jesus, it's past. All that's left ahead of me is a brand new future. So what I see here is that Paul didn't take himself too seriously. But he took Jesus very seriously, especially when it came to following him. So once we put the joy stealers behind us, once we say, hey, I'm not going to be trapped by the voices outside or the voices inside, I think then we're free to do two things. We're free to know Jesus better. Uh, in this chapter, we find one of the great passages in the New Testament. Here's what, here's what Paul says. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And when he talks about knowing Jesus, basically it doesn't mean knowing about Jesus. Because you can know a lot of stories about Jesus, but never know Jesus. Basically he's saying, I know Jesus experientially. I have experienced him. Now, I like to watch hunting shows. Because I like to hunt. But what I realize is there's a big difference between watching hunting shows and hunting. 
I mean, you can learn all kinds of things about hunting while watching the shows. But if you never go out into the timber, you don't know hunting. But when you go out in the timber, then's when you can experience what it means to check the wind when you hunt. You can check about stand placements. You can stack about, you can listen to, to what things are happening out in the timber. There's a difference between knowing about something and knowing hunting. Paul says, I want to know Jesus. And he did. He knew him experientially. But he said, I want to know more. I remember doing a funeral for a guy one time. Funeral director told me, he said, oh, you'll identify with him. He, he liked to ride motorcycles. He liked to hunt. I said, okay, all right. So I've talked to the widow. I went over and met with her just to see about, uh, see, talk to her about him. And I mentioned uh, hunting. I said, so, so what do you like to hunt? She said, well, he always talked about wanting to do that, but uh, never did go out anywhere. I said, okay, okay. So what, what kind of bike do you ride? I said, well, he always wanted to ride. But he just never really bought one of those. And here's what I realized. This guy wanted to do a lot of different things. Never did them. It's kind of sad. I don't want to be that way. See, there's a big difference between knowing about something and knowing something. Last Friday, I was up in the little village neighborhood of Chicago I, was, I talked to a guy on the phone about this area, a lot of different Latino people living there. We want to start churches among Latino people groups. And uh, he said, come on up, I'll show you around. So we did. I said, well, tell me about this place. And so he did. We walked around the little village. We prayed some around the little village. Uh, he showed me some of the different things. Did you know the population density of this place is incredible? 70,000 people living within a mile and a half square. So I did this, I did the math the other day. Elgin has about 3,000 people per square mile. Little Village has about 46,000 people per square mile. Isn't that incredible? Now listen, I didn't find out everything about Little Village when I walked with him, but I'll tell you what, he knows Little Village. And so when we're going into church planning there, well, I'm going to lean into him because he knows the place. And I'll learn about the place. There's a big difference between knowing about and knowing. Paul said, I want to know Christ better, deeper, richer. And when he talks about sharing in Jesus' death and sufferings, uh, we all know that following Jesus does require sacrifice. It requires saying no to some things and saying yes to others. It involves saying, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm just going to listen to your voice because I want to know what you want. I... Uh, had four texts coming at me on today as I was traveling up here. And uh, when I, you get four texts, I think, okay, it's probably important. Uh, it was one of my planters, and, uh, and he just said, I'm having some family challenges. And uh, so I called him. I listened to him for about 40 minutes. He talked about what was going on. And it's not pretty. And he just said, what, what words of wisdom would you have? And I said, uh, I don't have anything beyond this. I said, you know the voice of Jesus, because you know Jesus. You need to listen for his voice and what he wants you to do, because that's the most important thing. Because Lance can be flawed. Jesus never is. So I said, when you hear the voice of Jesus, do whatever he tells you to do. It's okay. 
Okay? Jesus wants us to know him better and deeper. And we can. There are going to be times when we feel like we're standing alone, but just like the song we sang today, we never stand alone. Jesus is always there by us to help us and strengthen us. A couple weeks ago, my, my daughter-in-law told me about a conversation she had with one of my grandson's classmates. He's in sixth grade. His, his friend had been making some rather poor decisions with her life. And uh, my, my daughter-in-law, Crystal, talked with her. And uh, the little girl mentioned Garrett to her, which is my grandson. And she said, Garrett is different. Crystal said, well, how is he different? I said, well, he, when, when he gets mad, he never flips anybody off, never swears at anybody. He never talks about people behind people's backs. He said, he just, he's different. And Crystal just said, why do you think that is? She said, because he has God. And it gave Crystal an opportunity to talk about God, about Jesus, with this little girl. Because she recognized there's a difference there. And when we know Jesus, there should be a difference there. See, I want to know Jesus better. I want to know him deeper. So what helps you know him better? For me, I, I read my Bible. I read my Bible every day. I, I talk to Jesus as I pray every day. I think those two things are critical. And, and when we do that, here's what I know. When we do those types of things, it opens us up to hearing his voice better. Because I think when we expect to hear him, we'll be looking for him. And when we're not expecting to hear him, we won't. I want to know Christ. The deeper we get in Jesus, the more I realize we need to know him more. We get hungrier. So let's go on. Let's say, so we get to know Jesus. The second thing is we get to grow in Jesus. See, the second part of this chapter is all about the joy that comes from growing in Jesus. Paul writes this. He says, hey, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Moving forward. See, I think, I think we gain a knowledge of Jesus. After we gain that knowledge, we want to grow that, that relationship. And growth takes work. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. I read something in our paper a couple of weeks ago, and it talked, they, they entitled this, Complacency is a Farmer's Worst Enemy. And basically, it talked about a farmer, told the story of a farmer whose hoodie got caught in the PTO, the power takeoff of a, of a tractor. Power takeoff is a shaft that runs from the tractor to whatever machinery is being run. It spins really, really fast. And basically, somehow his hoodie got caught in that, and it drew him into the power takeoff, fractured ribs, bruised him all over, tore his clothes off, and then luckily it spun him out. Because most of the time that will kill somebody. And here's what he, here's what he said. I know I was taking it too casually. I, I didn't respect it, and it almost caught me my, cost me my life. Now see, I know from working on the farm with, with Darla's dad and brother that augers and PTOs have sign, warning signs all over them saying, hey, keep hands and, clothes, and loose fit clothing away from this because it's dangerous. But sometimes 
when you grow so accustomed to something, you get casual. And you forget. The complacency, I think, is one of, if we're following Jesus, can be one of our worst enemies, too. And that's why the example of Paul is so critical for us here in chapter 3. I want you to realize that this letter was written 30 years, 30 years after he encountered Jesus for the first time. Now, I don't hear him slowing down in his search for getting to know Jesus better at all. If anything, the older he got, the, the hungrier he became. And think about all he wrote, 12, by, 12 books of the New Testament, of the 27 of the New Testament, and he still said this about himself. Hey, not that I've already obtained the list or have already been made perfect. Basically what Paul is saying this. I, I brought my puzzle with me today. Okay? Now, what can you tell me about this puzzle? What's that? It's missing a few pieces, isn't it? Basically what Paul's saying here. Hey, I've been at this for 30 years. I'm still missing some pieces. I'm not perfect. Perfect means everything's complete. Everything's in place. I got it all together. And Paul's saying, listen, I don't have it all together yet. There's still more growth to go. And I guess what this, this is good for us to realize too, because no matter how deep in Christ we get, no matter how, how much we grow, how mature we become, there's always more levels ahead, right? We can always grow. Because Jesus wants us to know him better. So Paul said, hey, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal of knowing Jesus deeper and richer. And here's the thing I know. Every time we catch a glimpse of him around us, it makes us hungrier for more. It makes us want more. Because we know he's right there with us. And there's nothing beats having Jesus right by our side. And we get to follow him on the adventure that he has for us. Adventure that's always stretching and eye-opening as he puts the pieces in place so we can grow. So I think we're going to stop right here. So the question is, what are we going to do with this? First of all, I want to ask you to think about listening to the right voice. John 10, Jesus is described as a good shepherd, and we're told that the sheep, his sheep, listen to his voice. So I want to ask you to spend some time this week with Jesus. I asked my youngest son the other day, I said, hey, you're reading your Bible. He's 36. He said, well, yeah, not like I should. I said, listen, you've got 45 minutes to work. Why don't you, why don't you listen to the Bible for five minutes? You can get the Bible app, you know, just listen to the Bible for five minutes. And then think about what you heard for five minutes. And then talk to Jesus about how you want to implement that in your life for five minutes. He said, okay, I can do that, Dad. I want to tell you to do the same thing. Or ask you to do the same thing. I'm not going to tell you to do anything. I just know what, how it helps me, okay? We need to get the word in our lives. I am convinced that we have no greater gift than two, th two offensive weapons we're given as followers of Jesus. One is the Bible. So as we get that in, it changes things. And second thing is prayer. We can talk to God anytime, anywhere. He always listens and he responds. So I want to ask you to do those two things. Okay? Secondly, if, if you, uh, during your prayer time, you get a nudge to do something. I want you to ask, ask Jesus this. Hey, will you, will you tell me who you want me to, to reach out to this week? Is there somebody that needs a touch? 
And if he gives you a name, and listen, if, if we're expecting Jesus to show up, he will show up. If he gives you a name, respond. Just do what he tells you to do. Listen for the voice, and then do what he tells you to do. Done. Last but not least, okay, you received the post-it note today when you walked in, right? Okay, here's what I want you to do with that. I want you to take it, and I would like for you to write two words on it. Choose joy. And I want you to put that somewhere where it will be a reminder to you that when situations come up that maybe aren't the best, not things you would choose, hey, I'm still going to choose joy. So last night we were at, uh, at our home church. We were doing some, uh, we were doing a Halloween outreach. We were out on a miniature golf course. We were trying to put balloons up, and a balloon was blowing about 35 miles an hour. Okay? Had a trophy that stood about this tall. It was a balloon. And so I put this thing up. I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. What are we doing out here? Okay, and then all of a sudden, I remember what I was going to talk about today. And I said to myself, okay, this is the right voice. I'm here with my wife, my two grandchildren. We're serving Jesus, and we're doing something fun. Maybe I ought to just choose joy, right? It helped. Put this somewhere as a reminder, and maybe it'll, it'll help you. Hey, choosing joy, it helps us escape the trap of the wrong voices. And I'll tell you what, it'll help us dial into the right voice, the voice of Jesus.